and welcome to Empty Seats. This is a weekly podcast where we review fantasy, science fiction, horror, sometimes superhero shows and movies. How are you doing today, Eric? I'm doing well, Tom, and you're definitely right. We're doing a supernatural, well, I guess you could call it a supernatural show, and we're actually going to be trying and finishing it today, Tom. Yes, we are. It is a show that we have enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gotten dizzy trying to keep track of all the names and characters, but I've done the best I can. I've watched each episode numerous times, which listeners will, that's a fun fact that you can kind of recalibrate later when you listen to this episode. And I've forgotten every name and every major plot point. Um, but I have actually watched these, these episodes a lot. Um, just trying to, um, to make, get everything straight. Um, th- these episodes, though, that we're reviewing today are episodes seven and eight, and we're coming down. The plane is landing, and these are different structurally and kind of event-wise, narrative-wise than the other episodes, um, and that's why we kind of lump these two together. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like the season finale event where they would have the last two episodes kind of be on one night and back-to-back, and yeah. because they are, you know, they're connected and they end the story in a way that the other episodes had and where the other episodes were pretty self-contained where they could kind of stand on their own uh for the most part um these ones are definitely connected and that's why i thought they were um so i i I thought it was a pretty good ending to to the season It, it, it was a little different than i expected it to go but i mean i guess after how this the twists and turns of this show i wasn't really sure how they were gonna end it yeah i will say just kind of some in kind of a general statement i i was able to track the flashbacks and the where we were in place and time a lot better but mm-hmm. in all fairness i'm not sure if that was due to the podcast that we've been doing and yeah. your expert analysis and your ability to break this down um or if it was because they they slowed the narrative down to where i could keep up with what, what was going on so i don't know what happened to what here um but by way of a, an introduction, this is a Game of Thrones-style series. It's based off a fantasy book series by Andres Sapkowski. It is a story of fantasy, fate, and family. Geralt of Rivia, who is the Witcher, is a solitary monster hunter who struggles to find his place in a world where people often prove more wicked than beasts. This was created for Netflix by Lauren Schmidt Heisrich. And... We are going to talk about the stars, although at this point, I'm sure people know who the stars are in the show, but Henry Cavill plays Geralt of Rivia, Freya Allen plays Ciri, Anya Salatra plays Yennefer, Iman Farron plays Kahur, Mahana Burring plays Tisala, uh, Wilson Raju Pajolte plays Dara, Adam Levy plays Mausak, although he's not around anymore. No, he is at the end. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, Gaia Mandori plays Pavetta, and Bart Edwards plays Dooney. That's right. Mausak is was killed and then replaced by that one character and that one character whose name I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> he plays a prominent role in this last <laughs> two episodes. Um, so I'll turn it over to Eric. To uh, um, yeah, yeah. No, I mean Mausak. He is killed in I think it was episode four or five and. But the thing about episode uh, seven, which is a little different, is that it's 
it takes place in present day, uh, present day the continent. I can't. I just don't know if it has a, the continent has a name, but yeah. um, <laughs> but it's it's like a it's it's essentially a flashback, not a flashback. It just you know it takes place um, maybe a few days before the episode, the events of uh, the first episode in which the it's the fall of Sintra. So to give a nice little summary of the episode, it's episode seven. It's called Before a Fall. And it basically just brings us back to, like I said, the present day or, or, you know, 1263. And it's, it starts kind of with Geralt seeing the Nilfgaardian army marching towards Sintra or what you assume would be the army marching towards Sintra. So because he can kind of see that they're coming, he makes his way to Sintra because he wants to take Siri under his protection. Cause as you remember, he, by the law of surprise, him and Siri are uh, bound together by destiny. And so he knows that he has to go, he, well, he has this sense of duty that he has to go protect her, even though it's, it's said multiple times that he has actively tried to just forget about her and stay away from her because he is trying to outrun destiny, I guess, is, I think they've said a few times. Anyway, um, he makes it to Sintra and, uh, he finds the queen, uh, Queen Kalanth. And in fact, she tries to kill him at first, but he's able to take, uh, Mausak hostage essentially and, uh, Mausak transports them to Kalanth, and upon that conversation, she's like, she doesn't obviously doesn't want to give up her only granddaughter and her only heir to the Sintran throne. Um, so after she tries to kill him, she says, "All right, I'll give you Siri," and she tries to give uh, Geralt like a like a double, uh, someone who looks a lot like her, but through magic and just his, I guess, Witcher senses. He figures out that it's not actually Siri, and so when he confronts uh, Queen Clan, she straight up denies him. So as he's leaving, he's actually um, imprisoned instead. Uh, so after that, pretty much all the events of the first episode in which the Nilfgaardian army kind of storms the castle, kills all the people and the guards, and uh, Queen Clan dies and Siri runs away, Geralt is literally in the dungeon this entire time. So it kind of takes you back to... Uh, the first episode where they go through like pretty much the same scenes over and over again, but it's through Geralt's eyes as he's fighting through the streets and trying to uh, make his way to the castle to find Siri. But he doesn't find Siri. She, as we know, she's long gone. She she fled on the horse and was uh, temporarily captured by Kahir before she uses her you know screaming powers to get to to get away and runs into the the the, uh, the forest. So. That's Geralt's side of the story, which sets up kind of where he's going, but really the final kind of, there are two setups in this episode. The first setup is Geralt and kind of putting him, kind of placing where he has been in sort of the present day narrative of this story. And the other half is Yennefer's story, where at the start of hers, at the start of this episode, she travels to a place called Nazir, which is in Nilfgaard where she is actually looking and then is reunited with Istrid, who is the mage that she fell in love with in the first three or episodes two through four, I think. Um, you know, they kind of reunite. It's actually like pretty sweet, I guess, until they kind of all, they're basically just waxing poetic and sounding like it's a Shakespearean novel for the first bit of it. And then the second half of it, they kind of just realize why they don't like each other, I guess. And so <laughs> Istrid, Istrid basically just leaves her and denies her, and maybe 
10 seconds after Istra is like, nah, I'm okay, and leaves. Then Yennefer is met by a different mage named uh, Vilgefortz, or Vigelfortz. Um, Vigelfortz is from the Council of Mages at Eretuza, and he asks her to come back to Eretuza because the Mages Council needs to discuss and figure out what they're going to do about the invading Nilfgaardian army. So despite not really wanting to, she does go back to Eretuza, and before they really do that, it, it, it becomes like a nice little trip down memory lane where she, for her, where she kind of goes back to her old mages' quarters and sees sees all the you know the the, the new mages in training and kind of tries to actually teach them. And even though she's like a really mean person and kind of mm. cruel, she mm. does it in like a she tries to do it in like a like a caring and actual like. Uh, she actually is trying to like help these uh these new mages, even though she also essentially get, essentially gives them LSD and let makes them trip out for mm. like twenty minutes. So that was a bit of an odd part of the of the episode. Mm. But um after that the she uh was it Tessia finds her and they have a fun little conversation before uh I guess a, what do you call it a reuniting com- conversation? What do you call those? Um hmm, reconnecting um. Oh yeah, there's a special name for it. I can't remember. Yeah, because the last time they talked, uh, what is it? Jennifer was kind of was really angry, and Tessia came to like talk to her, basically try to save her, be like, "Come back to Arizuza, and we'll protect you, and we'll bring give you a life again. We'll give you we'll give your life meaning." Is essentially what uh, Tessia was offering her, and Jennifer just said, "No, I'm not doing that. I hate all of you," and basically shoot her away. So in the council. Uh, they're discussing whether or not to help the country of Sintra or the kingdom of Sintra because Nilfgaard is clearly going to invade. And if they don't help Sintra, then they're afraid that Nilfgaard will keep going and eventually attack the other kingdoms of um, the continent. And the council actually votes and says that they're going to try and stay out of it because Stregobor, who is from episode one, as we remember, he is very much against helping Sintra because Sintra has refused letting mages and people with, you know, magical abilities help them for years. So he kind of wants them to suffer alone, essentially. But even though the council votes to stay out of the, of the, the fight, Tessia and Vigelfords lead a company of mages to fight Nilfgaard. And they even, and Tessia is able to convince Yennefer to go with them. And this leads them to a place called Sodden Hill where they're going to have their kind of their final stand their, and fight the Nilfgaardian army. So, like I said, this episode is all about setting up um, the final episode and clearly setting up the final confrontations and battles. Um, so, yeah, what did kind of did you think about this episode, Tom? Did you think it did a good job setting up or how I was trying to show you where all the uh, at, the characters are in the present day? You know, I think it it does set everything up, and there's this weird contradiction that occurs for me, Um, and this is just me experiencing the show. There's parts of it where it feels really dense, and I think maybe the Geralt parts, where you think maybe there could have been a little bit more air flushed into that because it's so condensed, and maybe there's a lot of story that's been microwaved into this episode. But then there's other parts of it where it feels like they're trying to create narrative and create a story where there isn't as much there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? 
and so to me there's i had that feeling it was a little bit of a of a up and down with that but overall i felt like this this felt like it was paced well you know that they're heading towards the end and this this episode bleeds right into episode eight in fact you could watch both of them together um not that I would recommend doing this, but it would be like watching the two towers in the Return of the King mm. all in one sitting. Um, you probably need to take four or five bathroom breaks and have pizzas and stuff <laughs> off to the side if you're going to do that with the Lord of the Rings. Um, I love, love, love Lord of the Rings, but it is long and it's one big battle. Um, but this felt like they were kind of, that was the tone of it. The My mind was set more on the the war that was happening and maybe that's why i didn't track some of the the intricate parts of the episode as well as i could have having listened to your summary but uh, um, it was definitely i did feel like these were good solid entertaining episodes how about you yeah um i thought they were pretty solid uh there were still parts that were kind of confusing to me um it it really was just like a kind of like when it's the end of the show and they, they start having the characters go back to the places that meant a lot to them. And then as us being viewers meant a lot to us. And like when she goes, she goes back to Eretuza and, or Jennifer goes back to Eretuza and spends like 10, 15 minutes of the show kind of just going back through the halls and seeing her old bedroom and then going to the place where the other mages were turned into eels to try and teach them, teach the new people why they need to like actually be good at magic in order to be mages. Mm-hmm. And it it definitely felt like it was um one of those episodes that's like the end of like the eighth season or the ninth season when you know everything's coming to an end. So let's let's take a few minutes to go back and remember the good times before all our favorite characters die and everything ends. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it felt. But overall, I don't even know. My biggest problem with that was why Jennifer came back at all. Yeah. And I. <laughs> I get for her, it's supposed to be like a hundred years since she's been back there. So it has been a long time. And so it doesn't matter how angry or whatever you are, you're going to want to go back. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. Um, you're going to want to go back and try and, you know, relive those days. And I don't know. She was clearly longing for something mm-hmm. or have some meaning in her life because, mm-hmm. like I said, she's been living for a hundred years. She's done just about everything. Maybe at that point she wasn't as supposed to, she wasn't supposed to be as angry as she has been in the other episodes, but they kind of didn't show that, and that's an or they didn't really explain that either, which kind of made it tough because she has this council they're in the council meeting and they're kind of dis- they're trying to discuss whether or not to fight Nilfgaard, mm-hmm. and there's pretty good arguments for both sides. One is you got to Hesiod basically is arguing we got to protect our way of life. This is our home. You know, if we don't, then Nilfgaard will come through and change everything. And Yennefer makes the very good point of what's wrong with that. Like, she, you know, the the world they're living in isn't exactly perfect. And there's actually a lot of bad things about the way that the continent is run with kings and the way mages are treated. So why not have a change? Mm-hmm. She's very outspoken. She makes a pretty decent point. Mm-hmm. But after that meeting, when Tessia goes to her to ask her to help fight, she, she literally says, did you not hear, did you not listen to me in there? Like, why would I go help you fight when clearly I don't care? And then Tessia says, you know, will you do it for me? 
and I guess that's supposed to convince her to go back to go fight. Yeah. That, that that didn't make sense for her character because that's not like she's been actively going going against what Tessio wants for pretty much a century at that point. And then I guess this little personal request would kind of sway her, but I don't know. Did you what did you kind of think about that? You know, as you're saying, as you're kind of breaking that down, that is the problem, the parts of this story that feel they don't feel as earned or I just don't track it, don't feel it. It doesn't have a payoff for me is the Yennefer Tessia stuff. Although I like what does work. This is where I'm going to be all over the place for a minute. What does work for me is the Yennefer Tessia conflict that there's stuff there. I think they could explore more with that. Not that I think they will, but I think I like that dynamic. Yennefer by herself, I don't think they do a good job aging her, giving us the us the viewer. I don't feel like I've experienced a hundred years of life with her, mm-hmm. and I don't know how they, you do that in an eight episode series um, in one season. I don't know how you do that and pull that off, um, but I certainly feel like they didn't do it, and. I think that hurts her story because she's supposed to have these meaningful moments in here. And because you don't feel like you've aged with her, experienced anything with her to the extent that you would need to, to experience a hundred years with a character Mm -hmm. and the ups and downs of it, it just doesn't feel earned. And so that's probably the parts of the story that feel um, less dense and, and more like forced. Um, Whereas the Geralt side feels microwaved where there's more there. Um, that's just an, my initial impression of it. Um, but what did you think, Eric? Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm trying to think of other shows where they kind of did that, and I guess two that kind of come to mind is, well, Game of Thrones, surprisingly enough, where <laughs> in season seven, that like pretty much the the climax of the, fel- of, the of the season is, a bunch of the characters go north of the wall to capture a white or, you know, one of these little zombie undead people. And it's a whole cast of characters that um, are all connected and all linked and have pretty much all fought each other at one point or, or were supposed to be enemies at, at one point in the story. But because they're all united by a common purpose, they all get to essentially become this little band of uh, soldiers who get to kind of spend most of the episode just marching and talking to each other. And it, be, it becomes these really cool moments where these old characters unite and they realize their connections or they have these great little like comedic, they get to kind of bounce stuff off each other. And it felt really earned because it was seven seasons of these, of this character building. And you're like, Oh my God, Jon Snow is with, um, is finally talking to, who was it? Oh, I can't remember his name. Dang. It's too, it's too early in the morning to remember his name, but you know, like, or like the hound or something like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> or I think, um, the other show I think of is, uh, Battlestar Galactica. Did you ever watch Battlestar Galactica? Uh, back in the eighties, but not the one, not the <laughs> more recent one. <laughs> I was talking, I, I've seen the more recent one and, um, the whole idea is that they're, you know, the machines, um, and they're trying to wipe out the human race. And, 
in the new ep- in the new seasons, there's a whole cast of uh, alien characters or robot characters that are kind of more human than actual robots. And mm-hmm. at first, obviously, they're all just enemies, but by the end of the entire show, they're friends, and they kind of get to go through the trials that they've had together and kind of reminisce. I think that's the word we were looking for earlier is reminisce. That's it. Uh, Thanks, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> it just took me a minute. It just It's very early in the morning. It just took me a minute. And it, it's like really earned and it feels really good. Now, if they had done that in The Witcher, in if this episode was in season six or season seven, and she goes back to Eratusa and we've been going on these trials and these journeys with Yennefer for six, seven seasons, it would have meant a lot more. Mm-hmm. But they had to cram it all into one season. And so it sounds like we're being very critical of uh of this episode which i I guess we are yeah we are (laughs) (laughs) that's the thing like it's i think it's the criticism is earned i think the point you just made is valid that is you just captured it that's why it just i'm using the word microwave a lot but they just squeeze it all down and we didn't feel we didn't get a chance to feel enough and so it doesn't have the meaning so i i'm agreeing with you yes well thank you because I do think that was a one of the more one of the problems with this episode in the season overall, and it's why even though people liked it, they got really confused with maybe the pacing or the the tone of the show, and that's that's why. But you know, it, it sets up this huge battle, and overall, it does get the characters to kind of confront one another, which was mm-hmm. fine with me for the most part. Like it was good that they had Yennefer and Tessia kind of have a kind of have a reun uh they kind of reuniting do kind of become friends again i guess you could say or you know it's very much a mother-daughter relationship but they do kind of reunite we didn't however get to uh gerald's story in this episode which is essentially like it's a it's a the, they redo the first episode but through gerald's eyes and so kind of like episode four where they have the uh the what is it the the party in the in the in the ballroom yeah. with yeah. Uh, Princess Pavetta and Dooney, you don't quite you start realizing um all these uh what do you call it all these flashbacks and how Geralt was essentially in the castle the entire time during the events of the first episode and so uh, other shows other shows do this a lot where they kind of show the same episode but through a different character's eyes and. It was really just setting – I really just found that that part of the episode was just setting Geralt up for the end of the season and kind of showing that he, where he is at because throughout this entire first season, he's been all, not only all over the world, all, all over a continent, but in different time periods. You know, I think like the first episode is, I don't, I don't know, like, what, 80 years before the, the present day and then one episode's you know 30 years and then one's 15. And so they throw Geralt all over the timeline. And for good reason, they did have to set up his character and set up the world and kind of show why he's so famous. Um, but this does get him back back to the beginning, I guess you could say. But um, I don't know. Did you think they did a good job of trying to tie the two stories of him mm-hmm. and Siri in a way that made sense or you actually enjoyed? Yes, in a word. Yes. In a word, yes. Um, <laughs> I did, although I did want... <laughs> more but i think that's probably a symptom of experiencing a good show um Mm -hmm. a good part of a story 
is I think good stories want leave you wanting more and but still feeling satisfied. And I at points it was you know, I mean legendarily hard for me to track everything that was going on. Um, but I liked maybe it was the series of flashbacks made it a little easier to track the story because you could as a viewer who's a novice to the material, you could look at it and say, Oh, I've seen this before. You know, this is where <laughs> we are and this is what's happening. And it, it starts to sink in this connection between Siri and, and Geralt and how he's his destiny or for lack of a better word is to make his way to her, to Siri and to, to locate and find her. And I felt like the, that was starting to zero in as a focus um, in episode seven, well, definitely in episode eight, and I thought that was well done. <laughs> yeah, and like they definitely go, they definitely show sort of the destiny and how in, inescapable it can be in the show, where he can just, where he's shown the fake Siri or the 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 stand-in, and he can kind of, he just has his feeling, and then he just starts following his instinct, and all of a sudden he finds Siri, even though he doesn't just take her and leave, which I mean. There's that scene where she's playing Bones in the street with the other kids, and he actually walks down all this this hallway, the stairways. He's kind of just following where his uh, his necklace is telling him to go because well, his necklace is magical and it can sense other magic, and so when it starts shaking or rumbling, that tells him that there's a monster or mage or some something magical is around him, and so it starts just humming and he just follows it, and it takes him to Siri. And I don't know why he didn't just talk to her and take her. I guess maybe that would have been quite the scene in the middle of the street. Yeah. <laughs> but he is a witcher and he, and he came there looking for her, knowing it's like his destiny. And I don't know. He's the whole idea that he spent the entire season kind of avoiding his destiny, essentially, where he mm-hmm. knows that he's supposed to go protect Siri or at least him and Siri are linked in some way. Um, but he spends most of the season like just trying to avoid her as much as he can because really he's terrified of it. Mm-hmm. And then he sees this Nilfgaardian army marching, and all of a sudden he's like, "All right, well, I guess I, I guess I gotta go do my duty now. I guess I, I gotta go save her, even though that's really not who he is." I guess mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, it's yeah. It, I think that's the one of the 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 drawbacks of all these flashbacks and time travels and dancing all over the timeline is that it's hard to, like you're saying, well, is it because he's avoiding his destiny or is that a um, just a consequence of the way they're telling us the story? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or is it just, this is just the way it's kind of happening because they want to set up not only not only the final episode, um, but kind of they, they just want to get Geralt back up to speed on where they are in the present day. Yeah, and I, I guess I, I landed on something there. Um, and it, due to your your ability to kind of break the story down for us, is that this is one thing that I don't like about dancing around in time travel. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like the fact that you take away from me, the viewer, if the if it's not done in a way that I can track it, it takes away the satisfaction of getting lost in your story. Mm-hmm. And I think that that suffer that happens in this um and i'm sounding like i don't like 
The Witcher now, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I do like The Witcher. I think there's a lot of meat on these bones, and there's a lot of story to be told. I love fantasy and magic, and I love dragons, and there was a dragon in this series. Yeah. Um, and I think that they're gonna, they'll probably iron some things out, and but that's the downside to doing all this traveling around in time and being all over the places. It's it's hard to just get lost in the story and get just get pulled along in the wave. And in some sense, that's what we're looking for as viewers when we go into anything, um, anything fantasy and science fiction related. We want to escape our current emotional state. Well, never mind. I'm getting too deep now. <laughs> Pull it back. Pull it back. <laughs> go, go ahead, Eric. <laughs> Take the reins. <laughs> well, I mean, I think a lot of this season was uh, was your dinner, you know, where you had to eat everything. You had to eat your vegetables. You had to eat, you know, the your you know your bread you had to just make sure you got through dinner because it's important mm-hmm. to eat your dinner in order to you know be alive but what you really want is the dessert and this they're kind of building it so that the end battle and kind of the end of the season would sort of be your dessert mm-hmm. and so what i mean by dinner is they just needed to get through all the world building they needed to get through the character development. They need to show you all the different parts of this continent and all the different characters. Because it is such a vast world and universe that it can be really hard to keep track of everybody. And it, it can be hard to become immersed in this story, in this world, if you don't know everyone's name, if you don't know where everyone is and who who is in control of who. You know, what people live here, what monsters are here, what monster is this, and what can it do? So they just did kind of need to get through all of that. And so that's you just trying to eat all your dinner, because then you can get to your dessert. And so the dessert can be the final battle in Episode 8, or his ba- or Geralt's battle with the Striga in Episode 3, or the battle with the Jin in Episode 4, I think it was. And so that's that's... Where I think the downfall was, where I think the dessert of the show was great. Um, and I think the dinner of the show, they had good parts of it, but there was a lot of peas and carrots you had to eat in order to really get through it. And then a lot of times you're like a child, like, why am I eating this? Why is, why is this happening in the show? I don't quite understand. Yeah, at times there was a lot more cream, cream corn and rice than <laughs> we really wanted. We wanted a little more steak. Uh, but eventually we did get to the dessert and, um, as we transition, it sounds like over to episode eight. Does it sound like a, a good uh, time to transition there, Eric? You know, it's as good as time as any time. Um, we, we'll get to the dessert, right? <laughs> yeah. So this, this is the episode eight. It's titled much more and it's the final episode of the season, unfortunately, because now we have to wait like a year to over a year before season two, which makes me very sad. But so like episode two, episode eight is Yennefer's story. It's her episode essentially. And so all the mages that, so a company of mages uh, from the uh, council, from the council of mages, they decide to fight even though the whole council voted not to. So they go to the, they go to this castle, um, in the castle in a place called Sodden and they go there and they kind of make it to the castle and they prepare for battle. And the whole idea is that there's this giant river called the Yoruga river. And it basically separates the continent. 
And so in order for the Nilfgaardian army to continue invading after from Sintra into, I think, Temeria, which is where King Foltes rules, which is, he's the king from episode three, whose uh, granddaughter was the Striga that he had, that Geralt had to fight. So they go there to essentially to ho- try and hold a valiant defense against the Nilfgaardian army and the mage uh, Fringilla, who, if we remember from, she, she was the, the mage who was supposed to go where Yennefer went before Yennefer mm. kind of forced her way to go to uh, the kingdom of Edern and pushing and actually essentially making Fringilla go to Nilfgaard. Mm-hmm. And at some point she, while she's in Nilfgaard, she gets into the black magic and necromancy and kind of the forbidden magic that uh, the mages of Eretuza don't really allow. But she definitely acts like she's enlightened. She acts like she, you know, knows the truth about life and she's actually coming to free everybody and to show everybody the truth. So she's coming as this like enlightened conqueror, essentially. Um, so about, I think they said something like 40 mages go to defend, um, the castle of Sodden and there's just not enough of them. And so as they're setting up the battle, they're, you know, it's a, it's a, it is like a fun, like two towers episode where, they're getting the arrows together and they're making the magic potions and they're just trying to get ready for this fight. Um, it becomes like a real, like, splendor of magic use where it starts out with Fringilla throws these giant firebombs at, at, uh, the castle and then it goes to this, this one guy just disintegrates himself into smoke to cover the entire battlefield with smoke and then Yennefer's in like a in like a watchtower, essentially using telepathy as a radio to communicate with all the mages. So this giant, massive battle goes on. However, it's like I said, it's just too many Nilfgaardians, and so all the mages are being taken down one by one. Even Tessia is rendered incapacitated by Fringilla. So Tessia actually confronts Fringilla and tries to talk her out of it, essentially, and um. Fringilla throws something in her face that she inhales. It's called Dimeridium. And Dimeridium is essentially your anti-magic potion or, you know. So she throws it in her face and basically all of her magic is rendered useless. She can't use magic anymore. Um, so she is, a t- is incapacitated for a bit. V- Vigil Forts is this, like, combat mage. He's essentially a general. He tries to fight Kahir and is defeated. Basically, everyone's defeated. Even uh, Yennefer's stabbed in the in the stomach with an arrow. Um, so you know it's it's getting really down to the all is lost part of the episode where everyone's dying and basically they're gonna lose. And at the very end, um, Yennefer finds Tessia and Tessia just is tells her to finally unleash all of her chaos and. That's kind of, that's, that was a cool part of the episode because it really, that was something they actually built on where she, Yennefer had all, it was just pure chaos. She has all this chaos she needs to control and she needs to hold it in and she needs to try and keep it from coming out. And at the end here, Tessie is just like, yeah, just, just, just let it loose. And so Yennefer just lets out this giant storm of fire that basically just destroys the entire like battlefield and kills the entire Nilfgaardian army. And not any of the mages, which is which was nice. So she essentially wins the battle by herself. And afterwards, though, she disappears. So you don't know where she goes. And so if you know, if you've obviously been watching the season, you know that there's a cost to using any magic. 
And so the obvious thought that comes to mind is she used so much magic that she essentially just killed herself or sacrificed herself in order to save everyone else. And this is something they kind of touched on in the final, in this episode and last episode where she's been wanting everything and she's been just on this tear throughout her life. But the one thing she didn't have was meaning to her life or she didn't have a legacy. And Tessia totally plays into that and says, well, this can be your legacy, which is saving the continent, which is essentially why she sacrifices, sacrifices herself. Um, so that's, that is essentially the end of Yennefer's story because I assume she'll be back in either season two or season three or season four or whatever. But, um, I don't know what, how did you think they kind of ended Yennefer's story and did that whole battle scene, uh, overall? I love the scene where she unleashes chaos. <laughs> um, I tend to like that in my stories. Um, hence my love of the incredible Hulk. Um, I'm like, if you got it, use it. And, um, I was waiting for, for that to happen. They did. I like the way they set up. You might have to break this down. So on one end, you have magic users mm-hmm. who are fighting against Jennifer and the group in the castle. And I like that because if it's just the Nilf, Nilf Guardian army without any magic, you would mm-hmm. think that the mages would just steamroll them with some magic and get make quick work. So that felt earned. It felt like a tough battle. Um, sacrifices were being made on both sides. And um, I will say I didn't track all of it. Um, as you were telling the story, it sounded much more compelling than how I experienced it <laughs> watching it. Well, thank you. Oh, and that's that's a common theme for me. Um, and but I did like the uh, the unleashing of the fire and the and all that. I thought that was wonderful. I hope Yennefer isn't completely gone because they've spent this entire season trying to develop just that character. And if they toss her away for season two, mm-hmm. I'm wondering how much of a disappointment that's going to be for viewers. Yeah, I mean. It, it's tough because she was the main character of the season and clearly, clearly of the show. And I think obviously she's not gone forever because there's no way a show would be that stupid. But it kind, I, just thinking about it now, it kind of makes sense where she has this arc in this in the season where she's going. She starts, you know, from being a nobody with a hunchback to being this all-powerful sorceress, and. She kind of does have a beginning, middle, and end in this season. Whereas mm-hmm. Geralt and Siri, they don't really have that. They have mm-hmm. the, essentially Geralt and Siri's story is the whole season is set up to begin their story, where it's basically going to be the two of them together for the rest, you know, for ho- however long. Whereas Yennefer, this season was all about her character. It wasn't all about her character, obviously, but her her story was much more complete, I guess. And so it kind of made sense that this is how they wanted to end the season with her having this giant sacrifice and kind of closing that narrative. Mm. But mm. that makes tons of sense, actually. Yeah, but overall, it's clear like she's way too important to the story to just have her just disappear and never come back. Although that would be a fun teaser to just throughout throughout the rest of the seasons or the show if they were just like, is she coming back? Oh no, she's not back. And then. <laughs> They kind of do a Gandalf the White. Well, Gandalf the White came back way too fast in the Two Towers. Agreed. Um, 
<laughs> which, but if they did something like that, essentially, but, you know, maybe they, they took their time more. Or maybe if she even does, like, an Obi-Wan, where she kind of just mm-hmm. comes as, like, a force ghost and kind of just talks to them mm-hmm. before she's turned back to alive. I don't know. The thing is, the good thing is that they, they, they can do, the showrunners can do just about anything they want with that character now. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's... Yeah, it, no, I, I just, agree. Yeah, just trying to give her, I guess, motivations when she comes back is mm-hmm. going to be kind of difficult because she didn't really live for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not too much reason for her to come back, though, because it's not like she had the only real ties she had to the to the continent, to the, to the world was Tessia and Geralt. And she basically did everything. She basically died for Tessia at the end of the story, which doesn't it doesn't entirely track with her character, but. I guess it makes sense if she's a hundred years old and she wants to maybe reconcile some of the things that she's done in her life. Um, mm. So the only other real reason she'd come back, I guess, is for Geralt. Uh, now that which, you, yeah, go ahead. I would say which makes sense because he's the he's the main character of the story, so of course he'll she'll come back for him. Yeah. Well, now that you break that down, I mean that makes tons of sense, but it also puts it in perspective as a as we start thinking about the season as a whole this was the beginning middle and end the story of yennefer in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and if i take that as as kind of my framework how well did they do telling yennefer's story for me the novice and i would say it's a middling um i think they didn't do a good enough job developing her motivations as you said earlier i agree with that 100 percent um, it doesn't work anymore to tell stories where somebody is just evil because we know that people aren't all evil. Um, maybe a hundred years ago that worked like they're just this evil king and that was enough. That's not enough anymore. You have to have something, the good and the bad, the yin and the yang. They try to do that with the Tessia, Yennefer, you know, do the right thing in chaos triangle, but it's not enough. Um, this feels, you you could be onto something here, Eric, where this could be a something where they're gonna have to do this was their chance to give us more with Yennefer. Mm-hmm. And they kind of didn't. Um at the same time, I don't it doesn't feel like a complete flop either though, because she's got some interesting um aspects mm-hmm. that are are typically wanted in almost any story. Like someone that had, that can unleash incredible amounts of chaos and power and who's a bit of a loose cannon you can drop that in the middle of any fantasy story and make something interesting out of it so but the other thing that it sets up which i really like is this idea of Geralt and siri Mm -hmm. we didn't really go we didn't have a beginning middle of end with them Mm -hmm. and there's a lot more story to be told with those two characters which to me makes tons of sense now they this that the purpose of this episode, this season, was to tease and build the world, but you're going to get a lot more uh, Geralt and Siri moving forward is, is what it's pointing towards. Yeah, I think... So, I, I completely agree with you, first of all, and that's why it's going to bode so well for the seasons to come, where they did need to just have all these flashbacks and these episodes that took place 20, 30, 40 years ago to set up the world, to set up the characters... And that's why they kind of handpicked the different stories from the books, whether it was um, the courting of Pavena and Prince uh, Prince Dooney, or it was the Striga or the Jinn. They had to really 
pick the right stories because now it's going to be really hard for them to go back again and show the, the, the self-contained Geralt stories. They're not going to be able to do that anymore where he fights this monster and battles this conspiracy. He's not going to be able to do that. Well, he will be able to do that, but Siri's going to be with him the whole time. Mm. And, gotcha. or, you know, maybe she'll be separated at some point. I'm sure they'll have plenty of she's kidnapped and then he finds her and then I'm sure they'll do that plenty of times. Um, yeah. but that does actually mean we should probably, I, I should give you a little summary of what happens with Geralt in this episode because, um, he, he still has a role in, in, in this final episode, but it's definitely, it's kind of funny because he actually and literally takes a back seat in this episode because he fights these uh, monsters called Neckers, and they're kind of these swarming uh, monsters. And they're kind of, they're supposed to be a type of ogre, but they're, they're like the size of children, but like 20 of them attack you at once. And he fights them all, but he gets bitten by one. And if you get bitten by one, you, they even say like you're going to die. And so he's in the back of this wagon and he's just in and out of delirium throughout pretty much the entire episode. And he, but it, he has flashbacks of his childhood, um, which is something we've never actually seen before uh, anywhere. So in these flashbacks, it's, it's basically him being abandoned by his mother, who's uh, her name is Visenya, and being adopted by Vesemir, who is kind of his adoptive father and and is a witcher himself and takes him to the to the witcher's order. And Vesemir is the person who trains him, turns him into a witcher essentially. But Visenya actually, even though they, they, they show who she is in the flashbacks, because then in present day, she comes and actually like heals Geralt of his uh, necker bite and saves his life and kind of puts him back on the path to find uh, Ciri. Um, and it becomes this whole destiny thing where he goes to this merchant's home in like the middle of the forest where Ciri just also happens to be. And Siri actually will like literally maybe 20 minutes before he gets there, she runs away because she has to go find Geralt. And then I think it was the merchant or no, I think it was the mother, uh, the woman who finds Siri and helps Siri says, you know, there's this girl, but she ran into the woods and then Geralt just has this epiphany where he's just, and he starts having the flashbacks to Renfrey from season one where she says that when your destiny is the girl in the woods, something like that. And so he runs out and he finds Siri, or really Siri finds him. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they have this hug because they just know it's 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 each other. They know that they're meant for each other essentially. And the final words of the of the season are Siri asking Geralt, "Who is Yennefer?" And th- she's never met Yennefer. They've never met, so she only knows who Yennefer is because. At, after Yennefer disappears at the Battle of Sodden, Geralt actually shows up, which I was thinking back on it. I have to rewatch it. I don't even realize. I, I can't even tell how he got there. Mm-hmm. But, I know. But, he, but he's there, and he's yelling to find Yennefer. And while Ciri was sleeping, she actually sensed and I guess heard Geralt yelling that. So maybe that's actually how she kind of knows what he looks like. But anyway, so it ends the season on a bit on a cliffhanger. Um, and like we've been saying, it really sets up the re- next season especially, which is going to be the, the, you know, the Geralt and Ciri story, where they're mm-hmm. just going to be on the road, and they're going to be talking to each other. It's going to be like Game of Thrones again. I'm sorry. I, just, I keep bringing it back to Game of Thrones. 
Mm-hmm. It's going to be like Game of Thrones where the Hound and Arya, where the Countess, the Hound essentially kidnaps Arya and is trying to take her to, um, to Robert Stark. And they get into a bunch of battles and they really form this unlikely, uh, father-daughter bond. Um, yeah. So that's, mm. that's, mm. that's the whole season, Tom. Um, yes, it is. It really sets us up. Uh, from what I remember in the books and the games is that he, well, he could take her no, any number. Th- Siri, Siri has a, a very complicated story where she goes everywhere, where she goes to, she goes to Nilfgaard for a bunch. She like hides there essentially and she becomes a bandit and that's where she learns a bunch of stuff. But I think what they're going to do is he is going to take her to a place called Caramoran, which is, he actually referenced it earlier in the season, but it's, you can easily have, have missed it. Mm-hmm. It's essentially where all, it's basically the, the castle of the witchers. And mm-hmm. it's where you go to train to become a witcher. And mm-hmm. so by the time of the present day, Caramoran's actually supposed to be destroyed. Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, one of the kings just didn't want them any, there anymore, so he went and assaulted and destroyed the castle. But that's where we're going to meet Vesemir, and Vesemir and Geralt are going to basically train Siri on how to be a witcher. And yeah, that's that's where mm. she, that's 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 what they're going to take next season. At least I'm pretty sure that's what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. But um, mm. yeah, just getting back to how they finished it overall, and what we were kind of saying is that it really was just their stories were just set up the rest of the season mm-hmm. and they didn't quite have narratives like Gale really did. He had a lot of character building, but Siri was really just a throwaway character in this season mm-hmm. where she kind of just is running the whole time. And she kind of stopped. She basically would run then stop for like a day or two and get helped by these people and then run again and stop. And yeah, that's, there wasn't really much to her character. She was just a scared little girl who had these magic powers and I'm really hoping in the next season they do a, a much better job of really diving into mm-hmm. her and giving her more to do, essentially, because mm-hmm. she was pretty helpless in this first season for good reason. She's a, you know, sort of like a 15 year old girl who's never seen the outside world. Um, and obviously they gotta explore her powers, explore mm-hmm. her, what her destiny is and how the two of, so the whole idea is that destiny linked the two of them together. And that makes sense. That's cool. But why? Why? What is the payoff going to be to that? Are they going to have? Is it going to be the two of them that needs to? Do they need to destroy some great evil? Do they need to? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Realize something. Mm-hmm. There's a way they did it in the in the video games, and I'm pretty sure the books, because I still haven't read the last two books, where she does essentially have this great purpose, and she does have to fulfill just prophecy essentially. Um, and I'm assuming that's where they're going to go with it, but yeah, that's, I don't know. What do you, what do you think they're going to do with it, Tom? You know what? You're a much better, um, predictor of story narratives. You've read the books and played the video games, but I will say of everything that you've shared, I really like the way they set up Geralt and Siri the most and mm-hmm. the rest of the world. I mean, the rest of the world, we don't need to know all the, the ins and the outs of that. But they gave us enough of it to know the landscape, and I thought they did a good job with that. Um, and so I'm looking forward to more Siri and Geralt's story. Um, Siri, we know she's young, scared, running, but we also know she's got incredible power. 
Mm-hmm. We've seen a couple of incidences where she unleashed. Um, and she didn't, it didn't seem like she's not fully formed. She's not in control of it entirely. Mm-hmm. And I think they teased her and they did it well enough so that we haven't gotten enough to where we're sick of, of her, but mm-hmm. we've gotten enough to where we want more. And so I'm, I'm very interested. And I think when you have like a father daughter mm-hmm. dynamic, I think that's new ground in a lot of stories, um, especially if it's one of the central focus of a of the next season or seasons to come. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes we're we're pulled into romantic dynamics or dyads between characters, and this will be a little different. I think that'll be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, there's potential there, I should say, for it to be at least a different story than we're used to seeing. Um, so I'm actually more excited about the next seasons, the mm-hmm. seasons to come than, and I'm, I'm saying that, saying that there was a lot to enjoy in this. There's a lot of good battles between the Witcher and these magical, fantastical creatures. There's a lot of evil afoot. There's humans that are at the mercy unbeknownst to their own themselves of this all this magic and all this war that's going on between them the magic users and <clears throat> so i thought they did a really nice job in the season setting up the framework for a story that has a lot more legs and so i'm looking forward to the future probably more so than than well they did a good job setting it up mm-hmm. um, so i am looking forward to the future yeah um i would completely agree with you i think that I really enjoyed this season for the mini stories they held in, in in with it and held within it. And especially Geralt's parts where he would go fight the Striga or he'd go uh, fight the Jinn or meet the elves. I mean, he, he had the most compelling story. Um, but I agree. I do like, I do want to see where they're going to go with it. And one thing that they, sh- they really pounded into this th- is that Geralt is a loner where he travels by himself as a witcher and he even says it um, in the in the episode with the dragon to Yennefer, where he just says, you know, I've talked more to you in 20 minutes than I've said in the last, you know, 12 weeks or whatever, or two weeks. And that's that's his character. Um, and really, they're in this season. They showed him having a relationship with a friend in Yaskier and how he kind of treats that friend and how he has to kind of come to terms with the fact that he does, in fact, have a friend that he wants to protect. And then they did it with Yennefer, who is, you know, his lover, essentially, and how he has to reconcile those feelings and the fact that he's supposed to be a loner witcher. And so next season is going to be him as a, trying to reconcile being a father, which is mm-hmm. something he actively avoided for the entire season, essentially, um, and trying to deal with those emotions. And he even said, like, this world is no place for a child and or, you know, this life is no is no way for a child. Yet he's going to have to try and do it anyway. So like, like I said, like we're saying, it's setting up the, the season and the characters very well. And we'll kind of, we don't really have to worry about Yennefer next season for at least I'm assuming for the first half of the season before, uh, they eventually tease her coming back. And then she comes back somehow. She she'll come back. I'm willing like, the question is not, will she come back? It's when she'll come back, whether or not season two or season three, like they can't keep her out. No, so, they didn't. Yeah, they've done too much work establishing that character. Exactly. And so that's what I'm looking forward to. I am really looking forward to going back to Care More and, and uh, seeing all the different Witchers. I think there's 
they don't train any more witchers, but there are still some left alive. Uh, and then on top of that, Yennefer destroyed essentially the vanguard of the Nilfgaardian army. She didn't destroy the whole army. So the war is still going on, and Nilfgaard is still invading. And so that'll be fun to get back into that war and the politics and uh, strategy side of the world. So, yeah, there's a lot to look forward to in this season. Um, I'm really I'm so happy they finally made a TV show for The Witcher. And, um, yeah, I'm I'm just really looking forward to the next season. Yeah, me as well. Um, probably the one thing that I'm I want more of and they tease it in this is I want to see more dragons. Yes. Um, I love dragons plopped in the middle of fantasy stories and i'm sure that that is somewhere on the horizon as well so any final reflections before we put a cap on our review of season one of the witcher eric um i think just as a final reflection is that this is a really good show with a lot of flaws and you could i could totally understand if you give if a person were to give up on the show because it can be so hard to follow because their narrative plot holes or their character, you don't understand character motivations. But if you're able to get through this season and really just try and enjoy it for what it is, then I do believe you'll be rewarded in the seasons to come. And for me, it's well, for me, it's all payoff because I know because it's basically just going back to a story I've 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 really enjoyed for a couple years now. Um, but for new viewers, that's kind of what I think is that if you just stick with it, then you'll get paid. It'll pay off and you'll really enjoy the, the seasons to come. So please that stay sounds, tuned. Sounds awesome. So we are obviously there won't be any more Witcher episodes coming for a while. Yeah. So just as a as a teaser, this show will transition over to reviewing an HBO original mm-hmm. called The Outsider. And yeah. this, I've watched the first episode of this, and it looks like it's a one part horror, one part fantasy, uh, not fantasy, but maybe Super- supernatural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I obviously have only seen the first episode, and it's very well constructed. So they tease some things, they don't give you enough to know exactly what you're dealing with. Actually, so it's a Stephen King story. It's, it's originally a okay. book, obviously. Um, so that, that'll kind of give you some insight as to where the story's going. Um, I agree. I, I think it, it's either three or four episodes have come out so far, and I've seen, I've watched the whole, sh- I've, I've seen them all, and I really am, I'm really into this show. So it's basically setting up. So the whole first part of the story is, ba- the first two episodes have been, like regular cop drama. It's a murder mystery. It's basically True Detective season four, which is fine with me. I love that show, so I'm not going to get mad. But um, eventually they start kind of the, – the the supernatural elements start seeping into the story, and eventually I think it's going to overtake the story, and that makes it – I think of it's actually really compelling. And mm-hmm. I think we were talking earlier, we really like the characters and the actors in this, in this show, and they, they, I think they do an excellent job. And yeah. it's an HBO show, so you know it's well produced and it's well made and it's well thought out, at least so far. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping, I'm really excited to talk about it next week. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm also just excited to see where the story goes and see how it ends. Yeah, absolutely. So for those of you listening along, you can look forward to that episode coming out in a week. 
So for now and until next time, that has been this issue of Empty Seats. Thank <laughs> you.